0: These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or staff, for laborers deserve their food. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Amen. When my two younger brothers and I would hear the squeak of that old cart on the hardwood floor, we knew that something good was about to happen. The location, the Panorama Lodge on Lake Greenwood near my hometown of 96 South Carolina. It was called the Panorama Lodge, but I'm not sure why it wasn't a lodge. It was a restaurant. And they served delicious food. They served up the most wonderful coleslaw I have ever heard, and they specialized in everything fried. Fried catfish, fried shrimp, chicken fried steak, fried chicken. My father used to joke that all the food tasted the same because they had not changed their cooking oil since they were formed in the early 1930s, and I suspect there was a lot of truth in that. It was a wonderful place to go. It was one of our favorite restaurants when I was growing up. It did not have a large room for people to dine in. Instead, it was a long, narrow hallway with a hard wood floor. And lining this hallway to the left and to the right were a series of swinging doors, and these doors led to a small room. And it was inside these small rooms in which families and friends would gather for their meal. The waitress would come in. We would place our order, usually, Fried catfish. And then we would wait and wait. And then we, we would hear it. it, was, it was, they delivered the food on this old rickety cart. And as it made its way down the hallway, we would hear. E, 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 and we would wonder is this our cart? Is this the one that's coming into our room? And sometimes it would go. And it would just keep on going. Uh, but then. Sometimes, and it would stop, and then the door would just burst open, and in would come our delicious feast. We, we, We knew that something wonderful was coming because we could hear it. Our ears often inform us about something coming our way. When we're at a football game, for example, the band is down on the field, and when the, the snare drummers, you know those wonderful snare drummers. The, the snare drummers are the most important instrument in any marching band. I assume we all know this. Uh, I was in the marching band for five years and played the snare drum, and so I've got some expertise in this area. We, we are the the foundation of any marching band, and when we would begin with the roll, what's coming up next? The American anthem, the national anthem, and people would stand. And it, we knew it was going to come because of the roll of the drum. Or we're we walking down the highway, the, the road, and, and we hear a siren, and we know, don't we? Our ears are telling us that a fire truck or an ambulance or police car is heading our way. Or it's it's 5:30 or 6 o'clock in the morning, and we're sound asleep, and we're tired. We're always tired. And then we hear that sound, eh, eh, mm, eh. and it's the sound of our baby grunting. Beginning to wake up, and it, 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 I don't know how Nathan, when he was six months old, could go eh, eh, so loudly. And even if we were not ready to get up, we would have to wake up because he was hungry. We had to get him up out of his crib. Sounds often tell us about something important that's heading our way. As I have been working on our New Testament reading this week and preparing for the sermon. The text from Genesis 3, 8 has come to mind again and again. Now, some of you might remember it. It says, they, the man and the woman, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. They, they, they heard what? They heard the sound of God nearby. And the question I have had this week and the question I share with you today is this. What might we hear when God is near? I thought about making that the title of the sermon, but just too many letters for our sign out front, so I shrunk it down to the sounds of the kingdom. But that, that, the essence of it is, what, what do we hear when God is near? And our New Testament reading today gives us a clue. Jesus is sending the 12 disciples out into the world. Go, he says, and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Don't get hung up on the word heaven. Jesus is not talking about heaven in the way that we think about heaven. Uh, American Christianity for far too long, far too often has been obsessed with heaven. Um, John Calvin said that we need to be careful about paying too much attention to the Temperature of hell and the furniture of heaven. Jesus is not talking about heaven. He's talking about the way we live from day to day, right here, right now, the way we relate to one another. Go out, he says, and tell the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And then he explains exactly what this means. He's clear. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. This is our work as church. He asks these 12 disciples, and he asks us to be his partners in ministry, to engage in the very things that he himself did in his ministry. Jesus says, share the good news. That's what Jesus did. Matthew 4, we read, from that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus says, cure the sick. That's what he did. Matthew 9, Jesus gives sight to the blind. Raise the dead, Jesus says. That's what he did. He restores a girl back to life in Matthew 9. Cleanse the lepers. That's what Jesus said did. And Matthew 8, a leper goes up to him and says, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I choose. And the man was cleansed of his leprosy. Jesus says, cast out demons. He's telling us to do that. That's what Jesus did in Matthew 8. He sends a bunch of demons into a bunch of pigs. They run down. They jump into the river, the lake. They can't swim. They drown. And all that bacon was wasted that afternoon. Jesus asks us to do the very things that he did. Jesus uses people to touch people. The theologian Tom Long has written about this particular passage. The ministry of Jesus, like the ministry of the church, is a comprehensive ministry addressed to the whole range of human need. Any notion that the church ought to quit getting involved in non-spiritual matters and get back to its real job of preaching the gospel and saving souls misses the point. Preaching the gospel... And saving souls means grappling with disease and the demonic, with social segregation and the powers of death. It means, therefore, wrestling with issues of public health care, with racial and social alienation, with the powers of domination and oppression that bleed the life out of community. Jesus uses people to bless people. What then might we hear when God is near? Before I joined you here at Madison Avenue, I served for about two years as an interim in Bedford, New York. Throughout most of my ministry, I've been an installed pastor, but a few years ago I thought, well, what might it be like to be an interim? And so I went up to Bedford and served as their interim when their pastor of 34 years retired. After I had been there a few months, the leader of the AA group that we sponsored invited me to one of their open meetings. He had no way of knowing this, of course, but over the last 15 years, every year or so, I'd like to go to an open meeting of AA to hear, to experience, to see this wonderful ministry of transformation. Patrick, would you come to our business meeting. It's gonna be Wednesday night at six o'clock be glad to. I expected three or four people to come because it was a business meeting, but no, there were 25 people gathered around. They conducted some business, and then they said, well, uh, our pastor's here tonight. And I said, hi, I'm Patrick. And in unison, they said, hi, Patrick. And we all just paused and laughed when we realized what we had done. We just laughed and laughed and laughed. I I, I say that I have gone to open meetings on occasion because I am so appreciative of their ministry and fascinated by how how they help people, but but the other truth is I, I am also so deeply touched and moved by the vulnerability and the courage and the openness that I experience in these meetings. Somehow in AA and the other self-help groups, they are able to strip away our pretense and get very, very real with one another. Have any of you ever read Frederick Biekner's remarks about AA? If not, look it up when you go home. Google Frederick Buechner, Alcoholics Anonymous. Beatner suggests that the church should be more like AA. And I absolutely agree. And so when we hear the truth being spoken, my name is Bill and I'm an alcoholic. When we hear that, we know that God is near. When people in the midst of community are able to name their hurt and their challenges and their brokenness, then we know THAT GOD IS NEAR. WHEN THAT KIND OF TRUST IS DEVELOPED, WHEN A BUNCH OF STRANGERS COME TOGETHER TO SAY, THIS IS WHAT MY LIFE HAS BEEN THIS WEEK, AND THEY'RE REAL AND AUTHENTIC AND GENUINE WITH ONE ANOTHER, WHEN THAT HAPPENS, WHEN THAT IS WHAT WE HEAR, GOD IS NEAR. I went to them because I wanted to be blessed. And just like Beekner, when I have been in these groups, I know, I've experienced the presence of God that far too often we in the organized church go, "Mm mm-mm, that's just, you know, you're getting too close to the rawness of my life, you're getting too close to the realness of my life, you're getting too close to what really hurts me, what oppresses our brothers and sisters. I, I, I don't want to hear too much truth, but I'm Bill. I'm a friend of Bill. That's truth. And there you will find the presence of God. What might we hear when God is near? What about that sweet sound of life-renewing silence? Her name was Nancy, and she was a member of my first congregation. She and her brother William lived together and they were in their mid-70s and neither one of them had ever married. Uh, William was the life of the party. He was very well educated, very large, had a large sense of humor and a large laugh. He kind of filled up a room, but Nancy, on the other hand, was very, very quiet. You could ask her a question and she would just look at you. We, we still don't know what happened. Bill got, uh, William got a... Um, the virus went to the hospital and expected him to come home, but then he died. We held his funeral, and then a week later, Nancy invited me and a couple of her friends to join her for dinner at her home. Uh, we were there, had a delicious dinner. We got up from the table, then went into her den, and we sat down. We, we ate dessert. We enjoyed dessert with one another, and she'd been very quiet. Nancy was a very, very quiet woman, but I wanted to hear from her. I wanted to hear, well, how are you doing And so, at the right moment, I said, well, Nancy, it's been a week since William died, and we had his funeral, and I'm wondering, tonight, how are you? It's quiet, just like that. And then she began to touch it. She began to touch that pain and that loss. Well, William, and as soon as she got those words out of her mouth, one of her friends says, well, this is a good time for us to pray. Uh, let us pray. Now, um, would you believe that I wanted to strangle him in a nice Christian way at that moment? I wanted to say to him, um, uh, the forgive me, idiot. It's one of my favorite words. I wanted to say, you idiot. She was already praying. God is already here. Shut up. The psalm tells us, be still and know that I am God. It doesn't say keep on talking and know that I am God. But most Christians, and I'm no exception, don't know when to shut up. We talk and talk and talk and talk and talk because we want to fill up the world, fill up the air, fill up the time and space with all kind of words that kind of keep the brokenness and pain away. So sometimes that silence, when that silence is what we hear, I'm here to tell you, God is near. What might we hear when God is near? We would hear in this hallowed space joyful laughter at our own mistakes and foibles and humanity, rejoicing in the good news that as we are, God comes and accepts us, not by how perfect we are, but simply that we are. When this room fills up with that kind of laughter, God is near. What might we hear when God is near? When a confirmand in our church sends a letter to session and that letter is read and that letter asks the session, would you please put a rainbow flag on our sign? When that is the request that we hear, when we will put a rainbow flag on the front of our church at the request of a confirmant to communicate to the world that our LGBTQ brothers and sisters will be loved here and supported here and married here and loved here, then we know that God is near. What might we hear when God is near? When we hear the sobs and the cries, the laments and the protests of those whose hearts are tuned into the very heart of God such that they want to protest and lament the injustice of the world, then we know that God is near. That, thank you, Rabbi Abraham Heschel, that is the mark of a true prophet. The prophet is not the one who predicts the future. The prophet is the one whose head is up against the heart of God and listens to the beating of God's heart to know that when God's heart is broken because people are living on the street, and people are denied access to where they want to live or to a job because of their skin color. That's when God's heart is broken, when the elderly have no one to love them. That is when we know God is near, when we hear the words of individuals, or as a church, when we are being prophetic and naming the pain and the brokenness and the yuck of the world, then we know that God is near. Thank God. Let me just say this. Uh, Thank God for our racial justice task force. Oh, we have so much work to do. So much work. But as Rabbi Heschel taught us, the mark of a true prophet is the one who feels the pain of God and can give articulation to it. And when that happens, when that is near, God is also here. When a deacon knocks at the door of a hospital room to go in and visit one of our members, when you hear that knock, when that is what you hear, guess what? God is near. Deb and I served a church in Charleston, South Carolina for eight years. It was interesting having my wife on staff. I was the pastor and she was very part-time. But what she does with part-time, most pastors can't get done in full-time. And she organized one week during the summer, a camp for children ages six to 10, elementary-age children, and she called it Camp Soar. Oh, she had all kinds of adults helping her, and that week we had 15 children come every day to Camp SOAR, S-O-A-R, serving others through arts and recreation. And for the three hours, every morning they would sing and they would play and they would make crafts, and they had a wonderful time rejoicing in God's love. And at the end of the week, they walked across the street to the senior citizen community, And they sang, and they shared their time, and they shared their crafts. When the singing of children for senior citizens is what we hear, guess what? God is near. When we see a brother or sister on a Sunday morning, and we ask, how are you? And then we actually wait for an answer. When that is what we hear, guess what? God is near. When we hear the cautious smiles of children who have been abandoned and rejected by their families, starving children whom the world would have us ignore, Children who have suffered horrendous abuse, when we hear those children discover hope and joy, when we hear them able to trust and love again, when that is what we hear, guess what? God is near. When we are able to embrace the hungry and not simply feed the hungry, when we welcome them as our brothers and sisters and we seek to learn from them who God is and what God is about in the world, when that is what we hear, guess what? God is near. When we say no, a firm no, to the demons of vitriolic political rhetoric, when we say no to racism, no to heterosexism no to cisgenderism when that no is what you hear guess what god is near and when and when we're gathered together on a sunday morning and we hear that rickety old cart squeaking gets way down the center aisle, and Jesus turns to us and says, my body broken for you, my blood shared for you. When we hear those words, when those words are what we hear, guess what? God is near. Amen?